0: damn beautiful people out there in podcast land my name is paul workman i'm jonathan pierce and i'm zach mccoy and we are your oscar grouches welcome to the oscar worst podcast a show where we discuss oscar winners throughout history and try to determine where the academy went wrong if they went wrong and what film are we watching this week we're watching
1: *Cimarron* from 1931, which is a delightful tale about westward expansion and how grateful the natives were for white validation.
2: <laughs> oh, that's yeah, a little too on the nose. I um, I uh, sent a a, a wonderful gift that I told them would not be able to translate to, uh, or a meme uh, that would not be able to translate to podcast land. But I'm gonna give it a try. This movie can be classified basically at least the first half with a one giant oof. 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 Yeah. yeah. Just like what the first half of this movie makes you just go oh no no oh no no like
1: <laughs> yeah then the second half
0: is uh. uh all right you know a what? Muddle- <laughs> it's a muddled mess That moves entirely too quickly. The pacing of the second half is garbage.
2: (laughs) (laughs) The pacing is really bad, but I kind of enjoyed it in a way that was making me go, all right, there is not one redeemable character in this entire movie. Again, we go back to everybody's the bad guy, because it seems to be the the, uh, real theme of this podcast, because so far that's been the case. But yeah, there's a lot of that. Way too many people like when the wife at the end of this movie becomes like this progressive leader and becomes a, a congresswoman, <laughs> and you're just like, wait, didn't she just spend 90% of this movie calling Indians savages and gross and everything else? <laughs> like, at what point? And, it, and you realize that, oh, wait, this was somewhere in between the Thirty to forty-year gap that they just left you with a title card for. Like, was that when that happened? Like, Something like
0: that. <laughs> uh, before we before we break this down, break down. let's get an Oscar overview. Yeah. The fourth Academy Awards celebrated the films fra- that were released between August first, nineteen thirty, and July thirty-first, nineteen thirty-one. Uh, so it was before we started doing full calendar year, which will which will come up in a couple years uh cimarron itself which won best picture was the first western to win best picture of course we've done two war films and a musical so far and it will be the last uh western to win best picture until 1991 and we'll get that later uh it is also the first uh film to win more than two academy awards so it wins best outstanding picture best picture uh, it gets nominated mm. for best director, but loses to a film called Skippy. And uh, <laughs> Skippy was about a, yeah, Skippy was about a young Peanut boy Butter. played by Jackie Cooper, who would go on to play Perry White in the Superman films in the 1970s Ooh. and 80s. Nice little piece wow. of trivia for everybody there. Uh, he is okay. still the <laughs> youngest actor to be nominated for best actor, and apparently he fell asleep during the ceremony. How sweet. Oh, that is adorable. Uh, so Cimarron loses best director. Uh, Richard Dix gets nominated for best actor, but loses to Lionel Barrymore, Drew Barrymore's <laughs> grandfather. Good. And uh, Lionel Barrymore became the first person to receive nominations in multiple categories, having been nominated for best director at the second Academy Awards. little bit of something. My puppy is probably going to start barking here in a minute. So uh, uh,
2: uh, the wife is home.
0: Yep, the wife is home from her studio. So um, Irene Dunn gets nominated for uh, Best Actress, loses to Marie Dressler for Men and Bill. Uh, the script wins Best Adaptation. I think that's blatant. Yeah, that it's kind of garbage. Um, let's see. And it wins Best Art Direction, which I haven't seen the other nominees for art direction. So uh, I guess I'm fine with it winning best art direction. Cause honestly, there's nothing
2: wrong with the set. It looks gorgeous. Yeah. Oh yeah. Did, was there like a best makeup yet? Because I will say the, uh, the old people makeup in this movie, like the aging was done mm-hmm. really well, I think. Oh yeah. Richard Dix looks amazing yeah. in that last shot. Uh,
0: yeah. yeah I thought so too there there was not a best makeup because I don't know that you know it was more than still just like that silent era makeup job going on but yeah that the old makeup doesn't look too bad uh it gets also nominated for best cinematography and loses to a film called taboo which um was directed by f. w. Marnow so Ooh, seven okay. nominations it wins three and uh, that's Pretty much the Oscar breakdown, except for the fact that they added a category, and I think it was oh, it was the, the adaptation. the Best adaptation of a previous source material gets not uh, gets added as a category, and Cimarron is the first film to win it. Okay, so that's our that's our Oscar breakdown. Yeah. Uh, so, so was this everybody's first time watching this movie? Because I know it was mine.
2: Yep, it was mine as well.
1: I had seen half of it um, earlier this year and I stopped watching it just because it wasn't really holding my interest at the time. It's um, not to say it's an absolutely unredeemable movie because there's some good things about it, but anyway, yeah. so this was my first full watch.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Same here. I, uh, well, outside of the, I never saw the half. I, I was like you, Paul. I, uh, First time seeing it. But again, I don't watch classic movies ever. Um, Like I said, I, I started messaging you guys while I was watching it. And that first half, I was like, how much of this do you think I have to watch until I can probably turn it off and go, ah, let's read about the snippets. <laughs> and, and then it kind of got to a point where it's like, all right, this is kind of getting my attention. And then it kind of kept it. I don't know. Like I, this is, this is one of those movies where I see like, it's a best of, but I don't, I can't compare it to what it was up against.
1: Yeah. I. But yeah, you were, you were talking about um looking at uh, what, at what point might you be able to stop and look at the snippets and, you know, reading the summary of the plot, like afterwards, I was just like going over some of the finer points. And I'm sure the book is actually pretty interesting. Cause the, plot summary is pretty interesting the movie just didn't execute it very well and
0: yeah yeah, there was a lot this movie did not execute
2: no uh like so let's talk about the elephant in the room real quick here um this movie seemed to be one of the most well-intentioned poorly done executed movies ever like yeah it was it was a movie about progression, about yeah, 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 we took the Indian land from them. Like it but it came off in the background so hard. And then you have the uh then you have Isaiah. <laughs> yeah.
0: And then you have Isaiah. It <laughs> I don't know, like I I just kept watching this movie, like, okay, this is uh this is affluent white liberalism at its finest. It's just, where seriously where they gladhand they gladhand yeah. glad their progression while while just absolutely giving this air of superiority over other people without even yeah. probably without even realizing how just awful and sometimes racist they can they can come off.
1: I'm sure in nineteen thirty one some people were watching this and like, how dare they Humanize a, a black character, but then the way they humanize it is by making him idolize the white people and dress up like him and act, uh, yeah.
2: And oh, god, just that going to do his, his uh, church the, service, oh, just yeah, yeah. It, it, it was rough, <laughs> it was rough, it was hard to watch, like. Oh god. Like at first I was like, oh god, they're just gonna make him the comic relief in this entire freaking movie when they had him fall off the chandelier or whatever the hell that was on the dinner table in the beginning of the movie.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But and, no, and it just Then it's then it's this real like step and fetch routine through through so much of the movie and it's so bad. And then they like yeah. kill him halfway through the film. It's like, oh
2: god, this is so much war. So <laughs> Honestly, that was kind of a a moment in the movie where I was like, all right, so do they know what they're doing? Because the way that they killed him kind of showed what the problem was with the movie. How he got shot, was basically calling for help, and got walked past. I was like, oh, they they do get it. They're like, yeah. No, 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 no. They're just gonna keep on doing it. Never mind. Yeah, and, that, that was and just then,
0: Yeah, and then Um, uh, Richard Dix's character, Yancey Cravat, the, the main character of the piece spends like the rest of the movie sticking up for the indigenous population. You know, at one point somebody tells him that none of the natives put anything in the, uh, the offering. And he was like, well, I mean, would you give money to the people who just stole your land? And it carries through that through the rest of the movie. It's like, where where was this in the yeah. first half?
2: <laughs> so this movie had some really great lines, and that was one of them. That was one of those moments I was like, ooh, good good, good line. The best one at, was at the end of the movie with the woman who was like, well, my ancestors helped sign the Declaration of and- the Independence. Well, I have an ancestor who... Uh, helped write the Ten Commandments. Like, oh, shit, <laughs> my ancestors' <Got> Moses. Him. <laughs> <laughs> like, that one was a great line. So, like, this movie had some great moments in it. I think it was just hurt by, like you had said earlier, the pacing, especially in the second half, oh was so, yeah. just super fast yeah. and made no sense. But the yeah. pacing in the first half dragged so on. <laughs> Like, the movie probably could have been two hours notes. long, it would have kept the exact same time if they'd have balanced it everywhere.
0: <laughs> it almost feels like two different movies. Yeah, there's yeah. just scenes like they started skipping ahead into the future because this this film takes place from 1889 to 1929, 1930. Um, it, it starts with the Oklahoma land rush of 1889 and ends with the death of the main character, Yancey Uh Maybe we should start putting a spoiler warning at the beginning of the episodes. But, you know, the 100 year yeah, the 100-year-old movie. Yeah, sorry,
2: guys. Uh, <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> um. So anyway... They wouldn't have to worry about that if they do the watch a That's right. So, so you only have yourself to blame, and, and us a little bit. So as they're going through the story, they're just jumping like five, six, seven years at a time, and there's, there's a couple parts where you just, you jump into like 1807 and you're in 1807 for like five minutes. And the next thing, you know, you're in like 19, whatever else. Yeah. 1907 to 19, whatever else. uh Just that little five minute segment does so little to help propel most of the, most of the character development, especially with Yancey, who has this, this yearn to always move and go forward and conquer something else. He, he left, His home in what was Kansas at the beginning of the movie to to go Wichita. Yeah, Wichita, Kansas. And he leaves that to to go help conquer Oklahoma and get a piece of land down there to be part of that exciting thing. And then like 10 years later, he's like, I've been here entirely too long and I don't (laughs) feel like I belong here anymore. And I'm leaving and he just Up and fucks off. Forget my family.
2: Well, and so that that was the biggest problem I had. It's like, all right, so we skipped five years, came back to him coming back, finding out that the mom, you know, the kids grew up okay. The mom kind of took over the the newspaper. Cool. Mm -hmm. Homeboy comes back in a military uniform during the Spanish-Indian War. Yeah, <laughs> we got to address what that dude was doing. <laughs> like, I feel like there was something happening in that five years that might be a little bit more interesting, you know, when- and they only bring it up like you only know because he's in the military uniform. and And the only line that they talked about it was, did you fight? Yes, I did. Sugar. Like, that's about it. That's all you got.
1: <laughs> and the people gossiping, I guess you know, that's not really a good <laughs> plot device, though.
2: No, structure-wise, this movie was all over the place and didn't know what it wanted to do and or be. It, right. I I I can I can get the gimmick of all right. This went from I mean this was a huge gap of technology in itself from nineteen from eighteen eighty to nineteen uh, diggity, but it. And you see it and it's really cool how it's done because you start off with this movie with them literally racing into the Oklahoma expanse. And then the movie ends with like oil drills and cars everywhere and everything. And it's, you see that and it's it's truly amazing to look back at what the movie started off as. But you spent at least half of this movie as a cowboy film. Yeah, You can't you, you yeah. need to spread that out a lot more than what it did. Yeah. And. And, you know,
0: and this is one of those one of these films that is this decade spanning epic about one family and what they were doing through this time. And I guess the bigger problem, the biggest problem I have with this movie is I've just seen it done better so many more times before seeing this. Like it or not, Gone with the Wind is four hours, so it really takes into account. (sighs) It really takes into account the the depth of those characters and their expansion throughout time and history and whatever other problems it have is, is beyond it's besides the point that i'm making right now we have that conversation coming up in a few weeks but it it's just more coherent and it's more cohesive and you live in the moments a little bit more as to where this is half of the time but tries to do pretty much as much of the timeline within the film. And it just, it's so rushed and it doesn't take its time to explore each time period that they live in. Absolutely. Another one, I really suggest that if, if you don't like Gone with the Wind, which, you know, good for you, um, Uh is George Stevens giant starring Rock Hudson and Elizabeth Taylor. And that's about a Texas oil families in the like early 1900s excellent film and it is it lives in the moments it's in it has something to say it definitely uh takes a deeper and harder look at the racial disparity between uh, texans and mexicans and i love it i think it's a gorgeous film i think everyone should see it
1: yeah when you mentioned that um i was like oh wait a minute giant um i think the yeah, the person who wrote the book, uh, Cimarron, also wrote Giant. So it's based on the same um, writer's book. Oh, nice. They just did a much better job adapting um, Giant than they did this. Obviously, it's 20 years later, but still. It makes me wonder how good the book is.
2: I I, I know another one to bring up that kind of does the way that this kind of long... Uh, a full life story is really what I think it would be called here, where you kind of see how the generation goes. Um, and I know Paul's probably gonna disagree, but Forrest Gump, I think, does it better too.
0: I think Forrest Gump does it better you're able to uh, and I mean again <laughs> we'll we'll talk about that movie when we get to that movie, but at the same time, yeah, I, I think Forrest Gump lives in the moments it's in. I just think it's boomer fluff. God
2: <laughs> God, when you say it like that, it's hard to disagree, but we'll talk about that <laughs> when we get there. <laughs>
0: uh, it it has different problems kind of yes uh but it definitely again is more cohesive and more coherent and tells i think a more complete story than than simran does because simran is a mess
1: or i think about like once upon a time in america too oh yeah that. once upon a
0: time in america's one of my favorite sergio leone films crazy to think he
1: had all those westerns and and we go from this all the way to 1991 but I you know obviously there's a time when over
2: saturation of westerns so. yeah all right boys <sighs> so what else do we have to say about simran
1: um i have a question uh about dixie lee was she just bad because she was a prostitute or what was everybody's problem with her maybe i, I missed i it. i think she was just bad because she was a prostitute <laughs> yeah
2: yeah <laughs> Yeah, they like another one of those things where it's just like five years later, Homeboy comes back literally that day, all right, sir, time to go play Atticus Finch for a little bit. And then Yeah. Like Yeah. What? And, and then as soon
0: <laughs> as soon as they're done with the trial, they like move on from that time period. they they, they spend about ten minutes there, half of it on a trial, and then we move on. <laughs>
1: I was just was she on trial for being a nuisance. Is that what the official? Charge that was, was? That was like,
0: exactly what the official charge was. Uh, <laughs> oh, God, and, and you know, and she she tells the story of how she has she moves from place to place and gets a job in this new place, and then everyone's like, "Oh wait, she's a prostitute. Get out of here." <laughs> and honestly, I. I wonder what her character is like in the book because I I just didn't see really the point of her in this story she just seemed like an afterthought for most of it yeah I mean in the beginning when she you know
1: tricks him but then it's like, a, like you said an afterthought yeah she that. just
0: they just bump into each other a couple more times in the movie and then suddenly she's on she's on trial for being a nuisance
2: and <laughs> which is one of those things that also made me go it's like oh okay we were just introduced to the love interest of the movie Nope. 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 She's just the whore. He's got his wife yeah. back home. And. Like what? And I. What? <laughs> I
0: guess. I guess essentially she. Serves as the turning point for the way his wife thinks about him and his. But. Progressive she, attitudes. But they
2: didn't uh, show that. All that they showed was exa- after the court scene, she still hated him. And then. Twenty years later, all of a sudden, she's like, "I like Indians and whores." Like what?
1: <laughs> his editorial was the the straw that broke the camel's back. Apparently, even though we, you know, yeah, uh, her great awakening by his but, but, but again, words or whatever.
2: So that's what the issue is. Is like, all right, cool. He he was coming out with this editorial that says, "Hey." You know this. This is a huge progressive thought, and this is going to destroy my career, and this is going to destroy my family. And she's like, "No, you can't do it. You're he's, a bad person for thinking you do that." And then the next his, minute, his, his, let's reprint. It ruins his political
0: machinations. Let's let's put it up for that. that yeah, he's he's running for governor yeah. at that time, and the yeah this uh lobbyist pretty much comes in.
2: He's like, "Hey, let's grease some palms." He's like, "No, fuck you." <laughs> It's like, I'm not going to take the native man's oil. But I, I just. <laughs> then you go into the next minute and it's her going, well, for the 40th anniversary of the paper, let's go ahead and reprint that article because it was so good. And that's what we believe in now. And that's what I believe in now, despite the fact that literally one minute ago, I was chastising my husband for thinking about that. Yeah. There was no there the no lead up to character progression. there was character progression in the sense of yeah, bam, that, there it is,
1: yeah, yeah, no payoff doesn't feel authentic
0: yeah it's 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 one of those films that not that i I wanted like another forty five minutes on it, but the story definitely would
2: have benefited from an an extra forty five minutes of character progression. <laughs> I would have cut the 45 or whatever amount of minutes it was of the whole, hey, this guy's the bad guy at the beginning of the movie because he doesn't like that guy's white hat. Yeah. That that whole lead up to yeah. that because that was going to be his first story or whatever it was, zero payoff to that. Like The, the one fighting scene there was when Yancy kind of became the hero of the town when the bandits came in to shoot the bank, that stuff was cool. I liked it. Was it necessary? Yeah, yeah, no. Pretty good. Did it have anything to do I, with the rest of the movie? Not really. I But I like the, the, the bad guy thing. <sighs>
0: yeah. I I liked the moment where he had to shoot the kid, which is the name of the character in the movie. Not a kid. The kid. Uh, who, yeah. who he meets earlier in the film because he comes to rob him and his wife while they're on their way to Oklahoma. And he's like, oh, the kid, how you doing? He's like, oh, Yancey, I guess I'm not robbing you. But like that moment where he's forced to kill him. It was an important
1: moment to make him like a town hero.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think you could could cut that other bad guy and and flesh out that relationship
2: a bit more. Exactly. So I think that 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 kind of brings up just that at least wraps up everything on that end is just this movie was not this this movie suffered from pacing in every possible way and it just kind of proves that how important pacing can be in a film because you take away so much like character progression and you add stuff that doesn't need to be in there you just need to know how structure works and this movie just kind of didn't have a climax it didn't have a falling resolution it didn't have really anything to climb you to that climax it just kind of was like here's a bunch of Here's one really long story and then some really very short stories put together. Right. Even though it has this you can't call it an arc, it's just a bunch of crap put together. Yeah. But it wasn't bad crap. There was story there. There was good story there. It just wasn't given to us well.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. So Which which makes me all the more angry at one Oscar for best adaptation
0: for writing, which is I think yeah. the weakest part of the yeah. movie. I I absolutely agree yeah. with that. Uh, I'll say Um, I think the strongest part of this movie is I thought Richard Dix was great.
2: Yes. yeah. This is is one of those, despite my not liking the characters, I I definitely enjoyed the people playing them.
0: Yeah. uh, And I especially think Richard Dix was at least commanding enough of the screen that he made Yancey as interesting to watch as he could with what he was given to work
1: with. Yeah, true. Especially his um, hair acting in the courtroom scene.
2: Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> I kept staring at his hair the entire time in the courtroom. Like, what are you going with that? <laughs> All right. So I think it's uh, possibly time to ask that very, very important question, guys. Okay. So, Paul, yeah. did this deserve to win Best Picture? I'm going to go with no.
0: I think this film is a mess. Uh, I can't get past the horrifically racist first half that tries to turn itself (laughs) around in the second half and start patting itself on the back with how progressive it is. Um, I don't like the pacing and I wish I could have lived a little longer in some of the time periods uh, and a little less in the opening. Uh, Also, uh, Since these took place between uh, August 1st, 1930 and July 31st, 1931, uh, I found three films that I thought were worthy of winning Best Picture, and that would have been M, the Fritz Long film uh, from 1931, Mm -hmm. uh, Dracula, which was also released in February of 1931, and Charlie Chaplin's City Lights. What? What? Oh, my God.
2: Dracula was available and City Lights was available and none of them
0: none, none of these three films, M, M, probably one of my top 20 favorite films of all time none of these films got nominated for a single Academy Award yeah that's uh, I'll wait until I, sure
2: I, 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 I I get asked the question
0: uh, yeah. so uh, with uh, with those three available films I'm going to say no uh, absolutely not, Those one of those should have won, I haven't seen anything else Again, in this year, we're going to start getting to films I've seen before. Oh, I have seen The Public Enemy, the uh, James Cagney film, which got nominated for Best Original Story. And that's also better than this film. So,
2: Zach, did this deserve Best Picture?
0: No,
1: um, I'm going to be a bit of an echo of Paul here, but (laughs) I feel exactly the same as what he said. Um, It I don't know if it really kicked off the trend of Hollywood and the Academy patting itself on the back for solving racism or whatever while still being actually racist. So, but it was disappointing, especially again coming off of last week when we had such a good movie.
0: Yeah, we're yeah. we're starting yeah, we're starting to get
2: a one for one one and then one kind of thing right now. Uh, and, and being the uh, filthy casual that I am when it comes especially to classic movies, I I really can't say much as to if this deserved best picture outside of when Paul just told me that it was Dracula was available within that time frame and it didn't even get mentioned, so fuck the Academy. I've been saying this for years, (laughs) but now I know I can say fuck the Academy since 19... Oh, diggity. So, good to know. Good to know. But, now we have a really more important question to ask. Paul. Yes? Is this the worst best picture? No, I still think
0: the Broadway melody was far worse. (laughs) (laughs) Look, look, this, this is me coming off the fact that that I think the first half of this film is a oh, really icky, problematic first half of a film. But it as far as the pacing is bad, it 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 is at least a serviceable story and isn't just completely rapey right off the right off the bat. So uh, <laughs> uh it, it's 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 kind of hard middle ground. I'm just gonna go with the fact that I think Richard Dix is a really strong lead and it has ideas that it doesn't thinks are good and doesn't quite execute on great. But yeah, Broadway Melody, still the bottom of my barrel.
2: Fair enough. Zach, same question.
1: Yeah, no, um, it is not the worst best picture because I still also thought uh, Broadway Melody was worse and more boring. Um, Like, if you look at Cimarron, it's got pretty decent cinematography. The opening... um, wagon scene is pretty amazing um sets are great like you've mentioned the the makeup was really good aside from <laughs> i say aside from the horribly racist caricatures but you know it is 1931 i don't forgive it but i understand it um so no i'm it's not the worst
2: And I'm just going to go ahead and agree with the both of you. Broadway Melody, I fell asleep and did not want to catch up on what I missed. And this one at least kept me awake. In fact, kept me awake more than it did Paul. Oh, well, I did watch uh, it
0: kind of late when I first watched it. And I had a snuggly puppy with me. And uh, I fell asleep probably in the last 30, 40 minutes. But I did go back and rewatch it. So if that says anything, I I may not have also finished Broadway Melody had I fallen asleep during that.
2: Yeah. So there we go. That gives Broadway Melody a streak of three weeks now.
0: Yeah. One, two. Yeah.
2: Three weeks. So congratulations, Broadway Melody. You still suck. So. All right. All right. So, Zach, what are we doing next week?
1: Next week, we're watching Grand Hotel, which is available on YouTube. Google Play, Amazon, iTunes,
2: and Voodoo. All right. Excellent. And Paul, where can people find you from, sir? At from any of those? <laughs> yes,
0: one of those, I'm sure. Um, you could find me on Twitter and Instagram at Father of the Fear. Finally changed it. You could follow me on Letterboxd, that's letterbox, dot com, slash Vaudevillian. Or you can look me up by name, and you can follow me on Critiker now at Vaudevillian. But I actually spelled it right over there with the E and everything. So
2: that's where you can follow me. Proud of you. Zach, where can people find you at, sir?
1: They can find me on Critiker at Zachmaster, spelled with an X, X X-A-K-K-M-A-S-T-E-R.
2: And Jonathan, where can people follow you at? And you can catch me on Twitch playing some video games at twitch.tv slash alltorn underscore Occam. And where me and Paul will also be doing some Amazon watch parties of Razzie nominations, we'll be doing that on Thursdays at 10 p.m. Central, 11 Eastern. So come check us
0: out and uh, watch some movies with us. Yes, please. For Jonathan I want and Zach. Seen. Oh yes, me too. See me. For Jonathan. Hey, I'm trying to. I'm trying to give a sign off for you. Do, do you just <laughs> want to do it yourself? <laughs> For Jonathan and Zach, I would like, God damn you. (laughs) 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 Uh, For Jonathan and Zach, I would like to wish you all to have a damn fine day.